This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Um, we are finishing up our thankful series. And if you've been in this series with us, uh, the big idea of this series has been life's about to get crazy, right? Black Friday, like we're going to have Thanksgiving meal, we're going to enjoy that, then Black Friday hits, and we're just going to like black out until New Year's Day. We're not even going to remember anything that just happened, because it's about to get so nuts, so crazy, and and if we're not careful, we're going to miss everything that God wants to do in our lives throughout this season, right? He wants to work in your life, move your life. He wants you to experience Him in this season, but if we're not paying attention, if we just do what we've always done, it's going to hit us, it's going to come on fast, and we're going to be so busy, we miss out on what God's trying to do in our lives during the season. So what we've said is this is supposed to be a season of thanksgiving. It's supposed to be a season of worship. And so before this season takes control of me, I'm going to take control of this season. Before, Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Before it gets me, I'm going to get it. Right? And so that's been the big idea. Life's about to get crazy. How can we take the bull by the horns? So in week one, we talked about, hey, what does God want from me this season? How does he want me to worship him? How does he want me to live in thanksgiving? The three things we said, he wants you to come with thankfulness and sincere affection. He wants you to go all in, meaning whatever you're holding back, he wants you to go all in, and he wants you to center this season on him. Week two, we said, hey, because of that, because it's a season of worship, we see that God has designed us to be worshipers. We are uniquely designed for worship. God created us from him. He wants us to be in relationship with him in order to love him. And so we said, all right, so God has, this is what God wants from us. This is how God has designed us. And this week we're saying, so how does God want us to do it? If we're going to be worshipers, if God designed us to be worshipers, how can we in this season worship? And so we're calling this uh, sermon today, this talk today, God's worship style. God's worship style. You ever wondered what God's worship style is? You ever thought about this? Like, anybody ever read the book, The Five Love Languages? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, that's just not my love language, right? You think God says that to us? That's not my love language. It's not my worship language. Well, we're going to talk about that idea today. What is God's worship style, right? If we're designed for worship, how can we? Because we all have different styles, don't we? We all have different, we all dress differently. We all have different styles of art that we like. We all have different styles of music that we like. Like we have one style of music we like for our workout. We have one style of music we like while we're just hanging out with friends. We have one style of music that we like whenever we're maybe studying. There's different, we have different styles of music uh, that we like, that we appreciate. And I think that we maybe ask the question, if we're going to worship God, if he designed us to be worshipers, what style of worship does he like? And I think when it comes to this idea of worship, um, there are many, many different ideas of what worship looks like. You think of like high church worship, like one, a church I kind of grew up going to is you stand up, you sit down, you stand up, you sit down, you read a, you read a verse, you sit down, you stand up. You know what I'm talking about? You stand up, sit, lots of standing up, sitting down. There's churches that are more like charismatic where church hadn't started until somebody takes a lap. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, right? There's other, like, there's hymns. God likes hymns versus contemporary. There's all these different ideas of what style of worship does God, does God like? Like, and not even that, there's, there's ideas on what does God want in his worship services? What, what's appropriate for us to bring into the sacred temple of the worship service, right? 
Like there's places where they're going, hey man, you can't you better not wear a hat in this church, right? Like last week our drummer was wearing a hat. Disrespectful drummer. There's churches where they go, hey, you can't bring, you don't bring coffee into. Like I I sat in a service one time where a preacher preached a message. The point of the message was coffee shops and churches are evil. I'm sitting here preaching in elementary school, drinking a cup of coffee. I wonder what he thinks of me. I'm going to take a sip on that. That's for you, homie, right? Pour one out for the homie, right? And so we have all these different ideas. My point is we have lots of different ideas about what worship is supposed to be, what worship is supposed to look like. So we, we all could agree as Christians we're supposed to worship God, and then we're going to argue about how we're supposed to worship God, right? We say, this is right, this is wrong, this is the way it's supposed to be, this is what it's supposed to look like. And so what I'd like to do today is we say, all right, if this is going to be a season of thankfulness, if we're going to be worshipers, how then should we worship? How does God want us to worship? And there's a book in the Bible called Psalms uh, that is all about honest expressions of worship. And so what I want to do this morning is just take a couple minutes, and I want us to talk about, look at some of these expressions of worship that we see in the book of Psalms. And, and what's interesting about uh, the book of Psalms is it's in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament, much of it was written in the Hebrew language. And so what would do, they would do is if you have your Bible this morning, anybody got a Hebrew Bible this morning? Probably not. We all have what? English Bibles. And so what they did is they took it from the Hebrew, translated it into English. And so what would happen is some stuff will get lost in translation. Not like it doesn't mean what it, I'm not saying like, well, it meant one thing and they changed the meaning. No, that, that's not what I mean. But there were certain words for praise that was talking about a certain style or a certain expression of praise. And it all got translated to the same word praise. Does that make sense? So yes, it's praise, but it's a certain type of praise. It's a certain expression of praise. They all mean praise, but the the meaning is a little bit deeper. And so this morning, I want to quickly give us, uh, I think I have five different words of worship that we see in the Old Testament that I just want to look at. I want to give you some of the a deeper definition about what they mean, and we can see the different varieties and different ways that God enjoys being worshipped. So the first word is Hallel. Hallel. It means to rave, boast, celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. This is a style of worship. Let me read you a verse in the scriptures that talks about Hillel. Psalm 35, 18, it says, I will praise you in the great congregation. I will exalt you among my peoples, among my people. See, we see it as we read this and we're like, all right, praise. So we just think of like, what is my style of praise? What is, what is my idea of praise? So we read that like, I will praise you in the great country. All right, I will stand up and sing some songs. I will stand up. I will stand up. But this idea of praise, this hallel right here, he's saying, I'm going to praise you. And the way I'm going to praise you is I'm going to boast about you, God. I'm going to be clamorously foolish about you, God. I'm going to celebrate you, God. I'm going to maybe get a little bit crazy about you, God. And what I think God says here when we see this in the book of Psalms is I like it when you get a little bit crazy about me. I like it when you celebrate me a little bit. I like it when you boast about what I've done for you. I like it when you get excited about how I'm working in your life. I like it when you, like when I, when I see this word, Hallel, I think of like a football game. You ever, anybody ever been to a good football game? There was a good one last night, right? Poor Baylor, rest in peace, right? I can, right? Right? Amen. Sorry for the Baylor fans in the house. 
I think of a good football game. Like, I think about people getting excited. So, like, there's a touchdown happening, and people are just running around going crazy, right? Like, I'm a, I'm a soccer fan. I've told you guys this before. Um, and last year, my soccer team was playing in this game where it was, like, kind of a tournament-style game. There's, like, one minute left on the clock. Sergio Aguero comes in, and he kicks this ball in the net. It was beautiful game winner last minute I am sprinting around the house screaming yes 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 like my son's like crying what's that what's going on Katie was sitting outside in a chair she probably remembers this she was sitting outside in a chair and I literally I kid you not I run I'm like yes I jumped over her in the chair celebrating and screaming you talk about clamorously foolish right my neighbors called the cops something's wrong with that guy over there right and you know the worst part about it they took the goal away because he was offsides so as I'm, sp- I'm kidding you not, I am full out sprint. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they took it all away. So <sighs> just I need a little therapy session this moment, this morning. The point of all that is sometimes we get a little clamorously foolish. I think God likes it when we get clamorously foolish for him. I think God likes it when we celebrate him, when we boast for him. And I, and I do think about that style as a football game. People yelling and screaming like your team does something good and you're like, scream, yeah. All right, God's awesome. God's amazing. Let me tell you what God did for me, right? Like, nobody ever goes to a football game and there's a touchdown. Like, yeah, and you're like, hey, shh, 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 I'm trying to watch the game, right? No. We get excited. We worship. I, I think God likes it when we get excited about what he's doing. We get a little rowdy about what God's doing in our lives. You know, King David, who wrote this psalm, at one point he got so rowdy and clamorously foolish about God that that joker ran into the streets of Jerusalem and started dancing naked, worshiping God. Did you know that? Now, this is a no-nudity church. All right, let's go ahead and just put that straight out there. Let's get that out there, right? Right? Yeah, let's just make it. I just said it again. No-nudity church, Okay. But it's interesting to think about, isn't it? That he got so excited. He just goes worshiping God so much. He even lost, man, I don't even know what I'm doing. The second word is uh, that we see in the Hebrew language for praise is the word yada. And if we have any Seinfeld fans out there, yada, 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 right? right? Yada means to acknowledge God in public with an extended hand. It's the idea of, of in worship, raising your hand to God stretching out your hands to God. And in the Psalms, we see it in Psalm 138.1. He says, I will give you thanks with all of my heart, and I will sing my your praise before the heavenly beings. Think about it. I will, I will, if that, that idea, I will, I will acknowledge you, God, before the heavenly beings. I will extend my hand and worship and praise to you, Jesus. I, I think of it as, as extend, like Katie even was singing about, as God's reaching out to us, us reaching back to Jesus. I'm extending my hand back in response to you. Like, do you ever think, don't you think it's weird that sometimes you're in worship and you just feel like, I just need to raise my hands? Nobody taught you that. I mean, maybe somebody told you you're supposed to. I don't know, but it's something that's inside of us that's like, as I'm worshiping you, God, I just feel like I need to extend, I need to respond to you by reaching back to you, God. It's a style of worship. The third thing that we see on the list is the word, the Hebrew word Barak, like the former president. And some of you in this place are like, awesome. Some of you are like, oh, no, that's not true. That's not, that's not a worship word. You don't need to chill out, everybody. This ain't politics. This is Jesus. The word Barak, it means to bless by kneeling or bowing. We see it in Psalm 103 where he says, my soul praise Yahweh, which is Yahweh is another word for God. My soul praise Yahweh and all that is within me praise his holy name. 
the word barak for worship is the idea of surrender. It's the idea of bowing before someone that isn't deserve, who deserves to be worshipped. It's bowing before someone who deserves to be praised. Think about this. If we were to rewrite that verse or to see the full meaning of the verse, all that is within me, with all that is within me, Jesus, I bow before you. With all that is within me, I kneel before you, Jesus. With all that it was, it, it was all that is within me, I surrender to you, Jesus. That's worship. With everything that is in me, God, I, I get low before you. I bow before you. I surrender to you, Jesus. I give myself to you, God. It's the idea of coming before royalty and recognizing that they are royalty and you are not. It's understanding your right place. It's worshiping God by understanding his place in your life, that he is here and we just got to get low. And we just got to worship and we bow and we surrender and we say, God, it's all yours. My life is yours. My, you're, you, you're in charge. This idea of worshiping by putting God in the right place in our lives. And so we've seen these different ideas of, of raving, getting a little crazy about Jesus, boasting about Jesus. We see the idea of extending our arms to God in worship. We see the idea of, of kneeling and surrendering to him. The next one is, this, and number four is Zamar, or Zamar, I'm not quite sure how you say it, but it's, it means to make music to God with strings. Now think about that. Those other three, yes, you can do them in music, but none of them actually directly corresponded with music. This one does. Psalm 92.1, he says, It is good to praise Yahweh and to sing praise to your name most high. It's talking about busting out that guitar, right? He, he's talking about making a joyful noise. He's, he's talking about using the creativity of music and art to worship him. Isn't that interesting? I think that's so, I think that's so interesting. Like this one, God's saying, hey, bust out that, let me hear that solo, baby. Let me hear that guitar solo. I want to hear it. Worship me with that guitar. Worship me with that music. Let me hear it. I think God likes it. I think God likes it when we bust it out and we, we just worship him in, in music. And, and, and you say, well, Mike, man, I can't play that guitar. I can't. That's why we sing. That's why we sing. That's the next one here. Number five is this word, tehillah. Let me say, tahila, not tequila, tahila. Although it does have the same effect. Exuberant singing <laughs> is tahila, tahila. And it says here, I will praise the Lord at all times, and his praise, it's so funny, I was laughing about this this morning, because you could translate that, his tahila will always be on my lips. Again, tahila, not tequila. <laughs> I will praise the Lord at all times, his praise will always be on my lips. What's, in what's interesting is David wrote this psalm right after he just got set free from this evil king Abimelech who was, going to try to, who was trying to kill him. And he writes this word of praise, this exuberant singing, I will praise the Lord at all times. Your praise will always be on my lips. And I know some of us in here, you're thinking like, well, Mike, man, my, my singing voice sounds bad. You don't want, and I've sat next to some of you, and you're right. <laughs> but that's okay. We won't put you in the choir. We won't put you on the stage. But I think it would be a mistake for you to miss out on the joy of worshiping Jesus with your voice, regardless of how awful you may think you sound. Because it may sound awful to you and the person next to you, but I guarantee you it is a sweet sound to Jesus. To boast, not just in singing, but you see that tehila exuberant singing. Now, I'm not a Bible scholar or a scholar, but exuberant, I think that's exciting. I think that's 
joyful. I think that's like almost like that, you know, wait, what, I'm, just, I'm just laying it all out here, man. I'm just, I'm just going to worship you with the way I see it, everything I have. Everything I have. And so we see all these ways of worship found in the Psalms. We have raving and boasting about God. We have being clamorously foolish. We have extending our arms to God in worship. We see kneeling into surrender before the king. We see worshiping him with music and instruments. We see him saying, worship me by singing loudly and getting just exuberant singing. And there's all these ways. As a matter of fact, there's a few I left out just for time's sake. But there's all these ways that God enjoys our worship. And if you noticed, he didn't say one's right, one's wrong. There's all these ways. He said, I enjoy, I want you to worship me, right? Matter of fact, when I was in college, I had a professor who did none of these things. What he would do is we'd sit in the worship service, and he would literally, or we'd be sitting up singing and praising, and he would sit down. In the middle of the service, he would sit down. And, it, I mean, literally, he'd sit, sit like this. And we're all sitting up singing, and he would just close his eyes and bow down like this. And I remember talking to him about it. What are you, what are you doing? And he said, well, so, you know, you guys, maybe for you it's singing loudly and it's whatever. He said, but the way I connect to God and worship and the way I worship God is to kind of get silent and still and just meditate on the beauty of the words being sung about our creator. He said, I think about the truth that we're singing. He said, and it's, it's my way I worship him. I'm meditating on worshiping him in that way. I think God likes that too. What I would say is that ultimately what worship is, is worship is our love expressed to God. It's the love that we have. And that's why I joked about the five love languages at the beginning. Worship is love expressed to God. You see, these words of praise that we're talking about, about this morning are really our responses to God. It's a way that we as Christians respond to the creator. And now you respond to people, right, different ways. Like, like sometimes we respond to God just based on who he is, right? Like we worship him just because he's got like, sometimes, I'll give you an example. Sometimes when my kids are asleep at night, thank God, I will walk in the house, I'll walk in the bedroom, and I'll just look at them. And there's just like, I just, I mean, they're doing nothing, right? He's just sleeping. I'm like, man, I just love this kid. Right, and we love them a little bit more because they're sleeping and it's easier. Right, but we're like, yeah, I just, right, I just, I love this kid. What, what's he doing to earn it in that moment? I mean, he's being quiet, <laughs> right, right. But he's just sitting. Well, I just, why? What? By existing because of who he is, his nature as my son, I love him. Because he's my son, I love him. I didn't have to choose that. I didn't, you know, I didn't have to. I will decide to love my son today. No, it's just. And sometimes that's our response in worship to God is to, as we come in his presence and as we experience him, as we hear his voice, as he, like we just get to know, not just, not, not like him doing something for us, but just based on the very nature of who he is, the automatic response that we have is worship. Because the very nature of who he is, is God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, creator, sustainer, healer, like the, the very nature, and we just get in the presence of his nature and our response is worship. Sometimes we worship like David with King Abimelech. Whenever God has done something for us, he set us free from something amazing, or he's moved in our life, or he's blessed our lives. And so we worship God because of what he's done. Both of those things there are responses to God. And so ultimately, worship is this response that we have to God, and it's an expression of our love for God. 
And so as I was thinking about the, this idea this week and all these different expressions of worship, all these different ideas of worship, I, I was thinking about how should we um, as Christians respond to God and worship this season? Right? We have the Thanksgiving season and the Christmas season coming up. It, we're designed for worship. There's all these ideas. There's all these ways that worship can happen. How should we respond and worship? And it, I thought about this story that's in the New Testament. And it's the story of Jesus is talking and he's teaching. And this guy walks up and he kind of hears what's going on. He's hearing the conversation. And he, they're talking about these different commandments. And they're talking about these different rules and these different ideas. And the guy comes up to Jesus. And he, he basically says, okay, all right, okay. And this is my version of it, right? Hey, okay, all right. There's all these rules, all these ideas, all this stuff. What's the key? What's, what's the most important? If I'm going to do this, if I'm going to follow you, if I'm going to love you, if I'm going to worship you, what, what's the most important? And so Jesus responds by saying the most important command is this. And now, if, if anything in life, if somebody says this is the most important, this is the key, you're going to pay attention to that, right? Like if you're playing for a football coach and he says this is the key to win the game, right? Don't give up a 28-3 to lead, right? <laughs> this is the key to win the game you're going to pay attention, right? If, if you're talking to a marriage counselor and they say, this is the key to your marriage, this is the key to making it successful, you're going to pay, you're going to pay attention. If you're talking to your boss and they say, you want that raise, you want that promotion, this is the key, this is the most important thing you can do, you're going to pay attention. And so he walks up to Jesus, what's the most important thing? And here's what Jesus responds with. He says, verse 29, this is the most important. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. So I just listed all these ideas or these Hebrew words for worship. And what I would say is that all of those are important. <laughs> but if we're going to spend this holiday season, and we're going to respond to God in worship. We're going to respond to God in thanksgiving. I think this verse is where we start. And I think that those other verses that we talked about are natural outflowings of this one. You understand what I'm saying? I think the rest of those things are natural outflowings of this one. And I think if we don't have this one, it's hard to get the other ones. So he says, love me how? With all your heart and soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Essentially what Jesus is responding by saying, hey, if you just love me with everything that you are, the rest of these things are going to take care of themselves. And so I thought about that, even like, yeah, that's that idea. Love me with heart, soul, mind, strength. That sounds really abstract, doesn't it? Because even then I can say that, I'm like, yeah, love me. Like if, if, if Katie came up to me and I was like, hey, how, how can I love you? you know, how can I love you, Ben? She said, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay. Because we still look at that and we go, well, what, what does that mean exactly? Well, just love me with all that you are. Okay. What does that mean exactly? And so I was trying to break it down for myself, and I thought, well, I think... How can we do that this season? I think if we break it down, you got heart and soul, and you got mind, and then you've got strength. And so I want to give you real quickly some ideas I think we can do that. 
specifically this season. I think if we're going to love God with our heart and soul, I do think of that idea of corporate worship, don't you? I think of coming in this place and worshiping together. I think of, of using those five words that we talked about, coming here and just with exuberance, with surrender, with, with music, with celebrating, with raising our hands. I think we come in here, we, we give our hearts and we give our souls to and worship. We, I think we pour ourselves out to him and worship. I also, I also think it's looking at the things that we love in our lives and the things that we, that we, that we give ourselves to in our lives and asking the question, is any of these things or are any of these things higher on the list than Jesus? I think it's honestly asking that question and taking, taking an inventory of the things that we love and go, okay, where is this season? Where are you on the list of these things? I think it's asking God even this, and this is, this is a hard one. Saying, God, I want you to this season, I want to love you with all my heart. I want to love you with all my soul. So, God, if there's anything in my heart or my soul that is sin, can you kill it today? Can you get rid of it today? And, and, and it's asking this question, God, is there anything in my life that I'm doing that I should not be doing? God, is there anything in my life I should not be doing? Or, excuse, yeah, anything in my life that I'm doing that I should not be doing? Is there anything in my life I'm not doing that I should be doing? Secondly, I see all my mind is this idea of meditating on God, loving God, thinking about Jesus. We talked about a couple weeks ago this idea of in this season finding a good Advent devotion or something that you can wake up in the mornings and start your day by thinking about God. I think God wants you to love him by meditating, by placing your mind on by making him the thing that you think about this season, by, again, putting him in the center of this season and revolving everything else around him. I... I I think it's putting natural rhythms in my life where I meditate on God, where I think about God, where I put my mind on God. My, my dad uh, is a really good example of this when it comes to my mom. My mom's a teacher, and so uh, every day she has an off period as a teacher. And while she has this off period, my dad finds out when it is, and he puts a an alarm in his phone to go off every day at like two o'clock. And every day at two o'clock, that alarm goes off and he calls and he says, hey, just thinking about you. How you doing? How's your day going? I think this is the idea of loving God with all our mind by putting natural rhythms in our lives. We think about him, we meditate on him, we show him that he's important by putting him in the center of our mind. I think we love him with all our strength this season by using the abilities that God has given me for him. I think it's actively loving on people with what he's given. I think it's even something crazy like this, using the ability to purchase coffee for somebody and buying somebody coffee someday. Like a couple months ago, I probably shouldn't tell you all this story, but a couple months ago I was driving in the, in the Starbucks parking lot and I'm pulling in and this woman comes and cuts me off. And I'm like, oh, here we go. And she comes in, she pulls in front of me and she didn't even pull in front of me like, in a little way, it was kind of like she pulled in and then she had to like back out and rearrange and get, because it was like an awkward turn, you know what I'm saying? Like comes in real awkwardly and pulls me off. Like, okay. Then she pulls up and she starts to order and she's like, I need a half-calf, decaf, uh, no whip with a, you know, half a splendor. Like, I'm like, I don't know this woman, right? She cuts me off and she's obnoxious, right? She has one of those orders. And if you have one of those orders, uh, it's okay. She just loves you. You're just wrong in the head, right? But anyway, she's doing this, and I'm just like, oh, my Lord, this woman. She's one of these people that thinks she runs the world, right? So she pulls up, and I order my drink, and I come through, and uh, I pull up to order, and I'm at the Starbucks a lot, so they kind of know me, and I pull in, and the lady's like, hey, that woman in front of you just bought your coffee. She said, have a great day. 
Oops, right? Yeah, oops. And really that has nothing to do with this sermon other than I felt I needed to confess my sin. But I think when we use our abilities to do things like that for people, it matters. And I think it's using the gifts that we have to honor God with those gifts. And so what if you buy coffee for someone this holiday season and you leave one of those little River Church invite cards that we have and we say, hey, just tell them Jesus loves them and, and leave that as a way to remind them, right? So they know that it's from a Christian. I think we have, uh, even thinking about this, we have all these people who come in and we use our abilities for God every single week as you set up and break down and make the River Church happen with all the dream team. You know it takes about 20 to 25 people every week to make this thing happen. And those, as, this, as you come in, dream teamers, as you come in this season, I want you to be reminded that you are using your abilities to worship God in this space every week. And so my challenge, we're going to love with all our heart and soul. We're going to love with all our mind, use all our strength. Use the abilities that God has given us this season. Think. I want you to think. I'm giving you some ideas, but I want you to write down in your own journals, and your own notes, how can I use my abilities to honor God this season? How can I use my abilities to worship God this season? And you go, so Mike, what, what is that all about? Well, it's worship. Because this season, we want to worship him with all of our heart and soul. We want to worship him with all of our mind. We want to worship him with all of our strength. And you know why we want to do that? For me, it's selfish. Can I have to be honest with you? For me, it's selfish because I want to experience Jesus this season. As we head into the holiday season, he deserves all of my honor and praise. He deserves all of my worship, and I want to give it to him. But just to be honest, if I can be honest, selfishly, I, I, part of that is I do that because I want to experience him this season. And there's this verse in Jeremiah uh, 29, 13 that says this, if you seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Now, again, that's one of those verses that you're like, what exactly does that mean? Because it's like, search for me with all of your heart. Like, how do I do that, right? Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're right, love your neighbor, so, okay. Well, I think the things, the ideas I just gave you is a pretty good breakdown of that. I think we can search for God, we can seek God with all of our hearts this season as we come in this space and we worship together with exuberant singing, right? No tequila, but some tequila, right? Some tequila, right? With some yada, right? Raise our hands, right? Maybe we get a little boastful about God this season. We seek him with all of our heart. I, I think we can seek him this, this holiday season by getting that Advent devotional or waking up a little bit earlier every morning and spend some time in our Bibles or maybe on our, our way to work, we listen to the Bible on podcast or whatever it is right now. We, we intentionally say, I'm going to put my mind on you, Jesus. I'm going to, with all my mind, I'm going to, this season, I'm going to center you. I'm going to, I'm going to put you in my calendar so that I focus on you intentionally, right? I'm going to put you in the rhythms of my life this season. This is how I'm going to seek you, by putting you in the rhythm of my life so that I meditate on you, I think on you, Jesus. I think we seek him with all our heart when we go, God, this holiday season, I'm going to use my abilities. I'm going to buy that coffee for that lady. I'm going to leave her a card and tell her Jesus loves her, right? right? Dream teamers, I'm going, to, I'm going to come. I'm setting this stuff up, and this morning as I'm setting this church up, it's worship to God, right? 
whatever that, I, maybe you take your family, you go, hey, we're going to go visit a soup kitchen or we're going to buy Thanksgiving dinner for somebody or whatever that might. This is in worship to God. And I think as we do that, we seek him with our heart and worship, with our mind, by meditating, with all of our strength, by acts of worship, by using the abilities we have to worship. I think that that is us as a church. I think that is us as a people saying, God, we're going to seek you with all that I have. And his promise to us is you will seek me and find me. When we do what? We search with form with all of our heart. And so I believe with all of my heart, River Church, that if we do those things in thanksgiving and worship to God over the next month and a half or whatever it is, that you will genuinely experience the creator, the savior, the healer, the sustainer of the world. And I believe as we set out to do this series, thankful, that's what it's all about. That we would seek him, that we will find him. Amen. That we would seek him and we would find him. You're uniquely designed to do it. He created you for worship. You're uniquely designed to do it. Now let's do it. And my challenge to you would be this. You know, I don't, I don't know um, where we all are in here. Okay, I, I haven't gone to you and taken a personal inventory and been like, how's your relationship with Jesus, right? But what I would encourage you to do is this season, if maybe you don't know Jesus, like maybe you've been coming to the river for a while and, and you've been checking this thing out, but you've never, you, you, you never actually have given your life to Jesus, you, you need to start there. Laying it down and saying, Jesus, I'm going to seek you this season. The, the, the first way I'm going to seek you this season by saying, God, I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. God, I want to give my life to you. Maybe for you it's, hey, I've been a Christian for a while and I fell away and now I'm kind of coming back and you're kind of a prodigal. This is you seeking him and find by coming home, right? Come home, come home, come home, come find him. And maybe it's just you, you go, yeah, I love Jesus, I know, but there's some things I got to lay down in order to seek him. Like I want to seek him with my whole heart and all those things you're talking about are great, Mike, but there's some things I need to lay down in order to seek him. There's some things I got to stop doing in order to seek him, or there's some things that I know God's calling me to do in order to seek him. My challenge to you today would be brave enough to do that. Would be brave enough to do that. I want you to stand up with me this morning, and I'm going to pray for us. And maybe this morning, as I, as I rambled off that list, maybe you thought, Mike, I'm on that list. I'm on that list. And so what I want us to do this morning is I'm going to ask you to, to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to bring you down front. But if you said, Mike, I'm on that list, I want to challenge you to do this this morning. I want to challenge you to raise your hand, and I'm going to pray for you right now. So if you're on that list that I mentioned, I want you to go ahead and raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now. So as I pray... I am going to do this. I'm going to pray that prayer of salvation. And if that's you this morning, you go, man, I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to challenge you to pray this prayer with me right now. I want you to pray, God, I love you and I need you. Lord, you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I realize that you have not been the Lord of my life, Jesus. But today I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I want you to become the Lord and Savior 
and king of my life. Maybe if you're on that list and you say, God, I, I, I've been far away, but I want to come home today. I want to come back. I just want you to, to pray in your own heart, God, I'm coming home. I've been far away, but I'm coming home. I want to experience you again. I want to see you again. I want to be with you again. I want you to heal me. I want you to cleanse me. I want you to know he'll do that this morning. Welcome home. Maybe you're here this morning and God, there's some things I need to get rid of. I want you to tell him that right now. God, I'm getting rid of it. I'm giving back. I'm giving it up. It's yours. God, whatever that thing is that has a hold on me, that thing I'm doing, whatever that's supposed to be, God, I want you to cleanse me. I want you to heal me because I want to seek you today. I want to experience you today. I want to come after you with my whole heart. And I see that promise, God. I see that promise that if I seek you with my whole heart, I see that promise that I'm going to find you. And so, God, let me find you today. pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. If you're here this morning and you made one of those commitments today, I'm not, I'm not calling you out or embarrassing you. I just want to encourage you to do this. Fill it out on a communication card. Tell me what God did in your life today. If you gave your life to Jesus today, I want to know about it so we can celebrate you, so we can help you find next steps. If you came home, we want to celebrate you. If you said, I'm giving something up, we want to celebrate that. I want to pray for you. So I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Fill out that card, and we're going to let us know. Let us know, okay? We're going to sing one more song in worship, and we're going to take, uh, take an offering. not an offering. We're going to take communion. And I want to encourage you as we take communion, I want you to be thankful in your heart for what he's doing in you. Be thankful in your heart for how he's saved you and healed you, and he's at work in you. That's what this is all about, remembering what God is doing and done in your life. All right, I'm going to get off.